We're, we're going to go big and, and jump into a new series here today. Walking through the book of Luke, it'll be over real quick in a couple of years or so, but uh, it'll be awesome. I'll talk more about that in a second, but I'm just going to dive right into Luke 1.1. And Luke 1.1 1, 1 through 4 says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Um, man, having landed at the, the, the beginning of this book, Luke 1, 1 through 4, and I like read that a couple times and I was going, oh my goodness, like there are so many directions you can take it. We're going to look at four different things here later. But I was like, it just explodes when you read through the Scripture verse by verse and allow yourself to, to learn what applies to my life like right now from it. And I hope in the next uh, few series, inside this series, we can learn just how to grab the most out of the Word of God. Um, to look at this, Jesus, uh, through the lens of Luke, is going to be incredible. Every year at Open Life, I want to tell you the story before the story. Is that cool? Can I do that? I've been into that like the last three weeks, so here we go. Uh, the, uh, every year in November, we usually get together with our communications team, and we brainstorm for the future year what series we're going to preach. And uh, we also, in October and November, have an annual staff advance at Open Life, and we just brainstorm, like, what are the needs of the community? Uh, what are the needs of, of the church? And we take all kinds of topics and breakouts, and one of those breakouts is on what the talks will be during the course of the coming year. And so we, we begin, we, we come with ideas, right? We come with potential ideas for topically. We come with potential ideas uh, series-wise, like what would be a great three to six-week series and come not only with an idea of the topic, but like the breakdown. We had some great ideas. Listen to this. This is the brainstorm wall. Uh, uh, how to worship one series. Wouldn't that be interesting just to kind of, because you kind of wonder every once in a while, the people around you, like, why is somebody raising one hand? Why is somebody in this posture? What is this? What is, you know what I'm saying? And it's kind of, you have those questions. Why does somebody sing loud when they shouldn't? And why do some people sing quiet when they should <laughs> sing loud? And uh, yeah, we all have those people around us. It, the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. So that's the answer to that question. Uh, uh, we, we, we came up with the idea for a series like being on mission. What does that look like? How do you know you're on mission? Because sometimes you're like, hey, I'm on mission, therefore I'm going to stay in my fluffy pajamas today and sleep through Sunday morning service because I'm on mission all week long, right? And, uh, but man, if you realize being at service is on mission for somebody who invited a guest that it's not like the day you only have 30 people, it's uh, when their guest comes, right? And it's kind of like, oh yeah. So we kind of brainstormed that series. What about disaster control when life's just a wreck? Like how does God help us in that time? That was a good series. Uh, stories. Man, a series where we're just telling your stories, videotaping them. I, I really like that idea. Uh, a marriage panel. 
Um, and specifically, we were talking about healthy sex after baby. That was a great series for 2014. We brainstormed. Uh, parent series. I'm literally going to read all of them, and our staff is getting nervous right now because they know what one of them was. Uh, the next one, the porn series. We had some great ideas for the title of this series. Uh, pure porn. There's an interesting thought. Uh, this was everybody's favorite, Jason porn. Uh, yeah, I'll stop there because it got worse. So, uh, But they were sure that uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, then there's an, there's an app for that series. You could just let your mind go, you know. It's kind of fun. Healthy Friends, uh, Walking Through the Gospels, God at the Movies, uh, Bible Character Study. This year would have been an easy God at the Movies because, like, the Son of God movies coming out, Noah's coming out. It would be like a no-brainer. Uh, uh, balance in Life. And then I choose, not everybody's doing it, kind of a positive social norm. So those are the 15 ideas where, like, those would be powerful, not just for open life, but for the community, for the, our culture and our city. And, and we were like, yeah, these are some great ideas. Um, but before, when I was praying, before we, we got together, I was like, I really felt the Lord challenging me that, because we usually walk through a book of the Bible every year, and I was going, what if we just walked through one of the Gospels accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, what if we just walked through that? Because I bet over the course of time, we'll actually hit on all of those. And more than that, we'll be forced to preach about things that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. And that's what I love about just verse by verse going through the Bible is it makes you hit on things, right? And, and, and as well as a recipient, as you or your guests come through the door they'll hear uh, subjects that maybe they didn't even realize they needed before they walked through the door, but you're like, oh my goodness, this, this actually really applies to my life, like right now. And uh, I think that's the beautiful thing that happens when you teach what God desires for us to hear versus what we desire to communicate and so I'm very excited. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of daunting. It could sound boring potentially saying for the next two years or three years we'll be walking through the book of Luke. But actually, I think it's going to be crazy exciting to see the Word come to life today in our lives. So I'm glad that you're here at the beginning of the journey, the introduction of the journey. And plus, like you know, I think we will communicate all those different subjects. And you might have gone, well, man, there's no way because Jason porn is nowhere in the book of Luke. But actually, this is the first day of the series, and I've said it twice. So now I have communicated that subject matter during the course of the series. I'm just kidding. I'm being funny for our staff. Nobody's laughing out loud. So, uh, so what might God be up to in us by taking us through the book of Luke? I think something very intriguing could happen if all of us get the fruit of what this passage says, even the first four verses, if we could all be certain of Jesus. Imagine the power in that. Imagine if we're all certain on the Jesus of the Bible. Not necessarily the Jesus that we've crafted in our minds. I think oftentimes we hear about the Bible, but we don't actually read it ourselves. And, and so what God would have us do is, with Luke, journey through the happenings of Jesus and be able to go, oh, I actually know the Jesus of the Bible versus kind of the Jesus I've crafted that makes me feel better. Because the Jesus of the Bible should make us feel uncomfortable at times, 
and yet should really encourage us that we're right on at times. And so let's be stretched by Jesus, right? Let's find out how the Bible applies to us today. I think that's a cool part of, of walking through the Bible is we can realize, you know, God wants us to read the Bible personally on a continual basis. You know, if we want a balanced life, we've, we've, we've got to be personally praying and reading the Bible. We've got to be coming and, and being encouraged by the preaching of the Word. But then we've, well, got this, it's like a three-legged stool. We've got the need to be connected to one another. And, and, and so if we're, if we're connecting, if we're in community, if we're in Bible and prayer, if we're coming together for worship, then like we'll be strong. We'll be a good foundation. And, and uh, if we're reading it on our own, sometimes we just don't get how to apply it. Well, this will be healthy for us to discover. You could even apply the introduction of Luke to your life today. And uh, so it's kind of fun to to look at that and value relationship, like God values relationship, and He's going to communicate about that even in these first four verses. And I don't know, it's kind of fun. The Bible is made up of 66 books, 27 of which are in the New Testament, and four of which are the gospel accounts. These are the accounts of Jesus' life. And uh, three of which were eyewitnesses. They were with Jesus. And then Luke was a recipient of the gospel, which we'll talk about more here in a second, what you would call a Gentile. So what sets Luke apart from this series? That's exactly the main thing was his target audience for me is why we chose the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. Matthew was written. He was a tax collector, and, and he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to the Jews. So he really wanted to prove, and the Gospel of Matthew really wants to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. And his foundation of teaching is from assuming everybody already knew the teachings of Judaism. Then you have Mark. Mark wrote to the Greeks in Asia, and he wanted to communicate the Gospel clearly to them in their context. And then you have John, who was just on his own, right? Uh, The synoptic gospels, the ones that have the most in common are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But then you have John over here, and he's just like, Jesus loves you, right? And, uh, And it's a great first book to read if you're brand new to the faith. Like, to take that one on first in your life is cool. But, uh, he writes really to, uh, to just make the love of Jesus purely known and our denial of that love that we love our own lives more than than him. And so it's kind of interesting. Oh, actually, Mark was written to the Romans, and, and John was written to the Greeks in Asia. Uh, I got that backwards. But anyway, so looking back at this, so why Luke? Well, Luke wants to give an orderly, clear, almost chronological order of Jesus' life. He wants to just, he wants us to know for certain. And he's like the investigator. He's the Indiana Jones of his time, if you would. And he's going to go back, and he's going to say, okay, I've got some questions from this guy named Theophilus that I want answered, so I'm going to do some investigating. And so he goes back not just to communicate to the chosen lineage. If you read the Old Testament, it's all about like God's chosen people, right? And then there's all the others. Well, Luke was one of the others. And now all of a sudden, in the beginning ages of the church, they realized we need to share the gospel with all people. And so Luke wants to come and say, hey, Jesus was teaching that it's for all people. And so that's the lens he's communicating to. It doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile. And, and uh, so he's a Gentile writing to Gentiles, which most of us are. It's the longest of the gospel accounts. 
1,151 verses. And 568 of those are the words of Jesus. So without this book of Luke, we would be missing tons of what is taught from Jesus and about Jesus. 41 different stories that aren't in the other Gospels. 41 different elements that he hits on. It's kind of crazy to think that we'd be missing those if we were missing the book of Luke. So, if you were going to read the book of Luke straight through and you're an average speed reader, it'd take you about two hours. So, for me, that's like six. And then, uh, <laughs> I'm so slow at reading. And then, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day, you could read the book of Luke every week during this series. You would be like smart in the book of Luke by the time we were done. Uh, but I'm just going to challenge you to read through, like maybe do a verse a day while we're in this series. And imagine how many times you just get the gospel of Luke in you, and uh, there'd be crazy power in that. Allow God to get the Word into you during this series. Um, so I consider who we are as Open Life, and, you know, four-year-old church, God had a start here to, to really go after those who didn't know Jesus in our community um, or didn't know him clearly or have experienced people living in a way that really they were claiming it was Jesus but was far from God's character. So how would we, how would we pull that off? I think it's a beautiful story that in, in the beginning of our next year we're jumping in to discover, hey, let's see if we're right on task. Let's look and, and make sure. Let's check our behavior to make sure it aligns to that desire of Jesus. And so I'm pretty pumped to go through this. And I think when we're in this, this season of, um, you know, just continuing to spread and dare to have why not moments where we're sharing our faith with others in the community. I think it's something to share our faith. It's something else to share our faith from certainty. When I was a brand new Christian, 21 years old, found myself in church, and I began to read the New Testament. I started in Matthew because it's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's like Matthew. I started reading through it. And the thing that caught my story, the verse that, that just caught my attention and was like a cool story to me was Matthew 7, 28 through 29. Like Jesus had all of a sudden come on the scene. He was teaching this sermon on this mountain, and he gets to the end of all these little nuggets of truth, and, he, and, and this is said. It says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. I was like, wow. What if people could say that of us? Not for our boastfulness about knowledge, but just, man, you, it seems you really know Jesus. Like you speak from a position of being certain. Well, that's the goal of Luke for every follower of Jesus. Even somebody who's curious that you could at least get your, your questions answered in this book so that you're speaking from a posture of authority and knowledge and not just experience because every religion can say that they've experienced God. So what sets Christianity apart in that realm? Well, do we know? Do we know what sets Christianity apart? The gospel will help us figure that out. We need to speak from a position of both knowledge and experience in the world we live in today. So, the context is important of Luke. The who, what, why, where, how of Luke is pretty interesting. 
Luke doesn't in anywhere say, I am Luke writing this book. As some, like Paul in the New Testament will say, you know, I, Paul, the apostle. You know, he'll say that at the beginning of his writings. But we don't have that with Luke. All we have is the book of Acts, Luke and the book of Acts, which Paul then talks back throughout Scripture. He talks back to Luke as being the author of Acts, like him being with him in his missionary journeys. Paul writes a bunch of the New Testament. Luke actually has the biggest chunk of it because he wrote both Luke and the book of Acts. And he writes both of them to Theophilus. And we'll talk more about him in a second. But uh, looking at Luke, he's referred to as the physician. He's humble because he doesn't even refer to himself very much in his writing. Um. And so here's this humble physician, very educated, very educated in science. Kind of interesting that God chose him, right? Because I think sometimes um, science gets a bad rap from the faith when actually it's very important. I mean, Luke is a doctor and he wrote one of the Gospels, right? So God doesn't like hate medicine. Have you met weird Christians that are like, no, you never need to go to the doctor? And I say they're weird because they're just weird. Right? And uh, so it's like that, that, that's kind of Luke was a physician. So God doesn't like throw stones at that. It probably was written in AD 59 through 63. They're not quite sure exactly when. About 30 years after Jesus. So think about this. The reason that's important is I mean, if you wanted an eyewitness interview or an account of Jesus' life, And everybody that was alive then is like dying. And Luke decides to write this gospel to answer Theophilus' questions. And he's funded probably by the most excellent Theophilus, as it says. Then he's got this little window before all these eyewitnesses die. So that's this gospel is an interview. It's an account. It's like eyewitnesses. He's getting the oral into writing so that it doesn't disappear. He wants to make sure that the gospel is preserved and be what's referred to in here as a servant of the Word. Luke addresses the book to this one person, Theophilus, and it says the most excellent, which means he was probably a high-ranking official, Theophilus. Uh, Most likely a new convert in the way that he's answering his questions. He was asking questions of the faith. He had a lot to lose by following Jesus as a high official. In choosing Jesus over Caesar, you had to, you know, worship the ruler of that day. So if he's not going to worship his, this Roman official is not going to worship Caesar, there's going to be problems if he worships Jesus. So he's asking clarifying questions, like, are you sure? Questions. So Luke's going to make sure that this happened. Interesting, Josh McDowell, if you ever want to just geek out on details, josh.org. Uh, Josh McDowell is, was a carpenter and, and uh, archaeologist, actually, and he, he wrote the book, uh, More Than a Carpenter. But he's an archaeologist, and he w- and was going to prove that Jesus was a lie, right? And it's all made up, and then he ended up giving his life to Jesus, choosing to follow him and prove that this is real, like in time and history this happened. And that's what he says. He's like, the gospel is not just this made-up stories. This took place in time and history, And therefore, I mean, we must do something with its mandates and claims of Scripture. We can't just 
brush over it and say, that's nice. Jesus was a great person in history. But that actually, like we need to take serious Jesus' claims and in, in His commands and His challenges for us. Luke's underlying theme throughout both Luke and Acts is, is the universality of the Christian message. In other words, it's like universal. It's for everybody. And it's kind of a crazy perspective. He's not just going after those who had always grown up in the line, this chosen lineage, but he was going after communicating this gospel is for all. Uh, he did not grow up in the church, so that's kind of where it connects with us probably, right? Uh, maybe you come from uh, a background where your family didn't grow up in the church. The majority of the 80% in our community that do not go to church or do not follow in the faith, they've never grown up in church. It's actually unnerving for them to come to church, right? Uh, and, they, and they ask a lot of questions when they do, kind of like a Theophilus here. But Luke did not grow up in the church. So here, here's a Gentile. He couldn't grow up in the church until Jesus. So it's just intriguing that we're getting communication from somebody who's probably more so in our shoes than any of the other gospel writers. Uh, I believe no one having read this book can like sit in a position of like unresponse. So I'm pretty excited to walk through it, and it has a lot of benefits. So let's jump into the four things that really jump out in the first four verses of this book. Uh, the first point is the first. So the first, if you're a blank filler in or on your hand out there. Luke speaks of, they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses, the first. Many of you sitting here are the first eyewitnesses to Jesus in, in your family lineage. I sit down with coffee all the time to, with individuals that are like, you know, and I love when I'm doing weddings and stuff. I always get to have the faith conversation with people you know, when I'm doing counseling for weddings, and it's like, well, what's your faith background? And they're like, none. I have no background. I was never taken to Sunday school as a kid. I was, I, I've kind of known people who went to church, but I've just never been, never opened the Bible. I have no idea what it's about. That's the majority. And so to have that conversation and kind of, if they would ever come to church and, and have an experience with Scripture, they and their lineage would be the first to experience Jesus. Can I just tell you, I love the first. I love the spirit of the first. I love it when somebody discovers the life they can have through Jesus, and they're the first. And it's just eye-opening, and it's radically unnerving for them to follow Jesus and, and, and to begin to share that with their family and friends is unnerving. And, and that's why we create a church that's a safe place for that to happen. And that's why the gospel and walking through it verse by verse is incredibly safe, which I'll mention again here in a second. Many of the people you love in this city, your neighbors, those who you work with, if they were to choose to follow Jesus, they'd be the first. We do not live in a world where people have past experience in the church, not in the Northwest. We don't, we're, we don't have people who've rebelled against the church we have people who have just never walked through the door. They have no knowledge base of the church. So our mandate is to help people be the first. And I kind of love that. 
There's no easier invitation to those who have questions of the faith, like Theophilus did in our passage, than walking through a gospel account, like a descriptive of who was Jesus, right? So when you're in that why not moment, wherever you are in community, and 20 seconds of insane courage wells up in you, and you want to invite your friend or family member to come to church, it's easier when we're walking verse by verse through a gospel that explains Jesus. Because if you're like having this conversation and somebody's like, well, I don't go to church. I was like, yeah, I didn't either. And, and if you've ever wanted to know what the contents of the Bible are, right now we're walking through this book about Jesus verse by verse so you can hear what's in the Bible. It's a very safe time and place for people to come and hear. So I love uh, asking people's understanding of the Bible when they're when they're talking about it, if you have somebody who's like, I don't, believe, I don't believe that Christianity is blah, 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 blah. You're like, well, what part of the Bible have you read? And they're like, well, none of it, you know? Well, let's get the Bible into people so that we can really speak from a position of understanding. That's why Luke went to the painstaking task that he went through to give an accurate account so that we could have a certainty of Jesus and what we're putting our faith into. You are the first and uh, that you might hand down this message of Jesus, which we will become oh so certain of. You're called to hand it down as the first. Isn't that interesting? I mean, that is what we're called to do as eyewitnesses, as those who've experienced Jesus. Our calling is to hand down the message. We talked about lifting people up a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, I forget. But when we're supposed to lift people up, one of the ways we lift people up is to hand down the message and hope and peace and love that's from God. And uh, it's an honor to do that. We're not to hoard the gospel, we're to hand it, right? And uh, why not hand it down and invite someone to the abundant life they can have through Jesus? The second thought here is we're called to be servants of the Word. This is the, word, the phrasing that just really challenged me when I read it. I'm like, that is so cool. Servants of the Word. It's, it's crazy to consider the task, as, as Luke puts it, that many have undertaken to draw up an account. Servants of the Word. In this day, I mean, there was no Xerox, right? It's not like, well, let's just save it on a couple hard drives, and we got it backed up. It's all good, right? And... Uh, uh, at the same time, it wasn't like the book of Eli where you had to memorize it, kill everybody on your way to like a library, if you've seen that movie. Um, heck, a good movie. I love Denzel. Uh, but there, you, you, look at, you look at this, and, the, and, and what's happening here for certainty, for the Word of, for the Bible to be our certainty, it had to be preserved accurately, right? And in that day when they wrote on papyrus with like, oil, ink, and then they put wax over it to preserve it, and it's like they had to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. Have you ever played that game where you whisper something in somebody's ear, and then they whisper something in somebody's ear, and then they whisper something? By the time it gets to the end, it's a total different story. And, and it, so they had to be crazy good to make sure they had an accurate and orderly account of anything in writing, and that's what Luke's taking on. He wants to be as well a steward of the Word so that we can know a certainty the things we've been taught. Crafting our doctrine from the Word is a healthy place to be instead of crafting our faith out of our own desires of the Word. 
We're not created to be editors of it. We're created to be those who would obey it. So we really need to know what it says. We too are servants of the Word and should value its preservation over time. And so I want you to know how accurate the New Testament is. It's crazy ridiculous. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16-17 through 17 says this about the Bible. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's you and I. We're thoroughly equipped through the Word. So here's how they have preserved the Word. Here's the histography, if you will, and the principles that determine the authenticity of a document, that those who wrote it or those who claimed who wrote it, the accuracy, if you will. Uh, you can look at, at, at the tests, I guess, and of, of history and of writing and, and the questions of manuscripts and the autographer, the original copy of the Word, and, and the handwritten copies against original copies, and, and looking at all these different realities. I mean, there's a million consonants in the New Testament. Like, you got to mess this up, right? Haven't you thought that? Like, how impossible was this? How did they do this? How many human errors would we make if we tried to do this today, writing by hand? Well, the original text, as I mentioned, was written on this rough paper, this papyrus, and, and, uh, and they would dry it, they would glue over it, wax over it, but it still deteriorated over time. So they had people who considered themselves stewards of the Word that all they did was write. When Luke says he wrote an account, he wasn't writing it. In that time, he would have been quoting it, and it was being written. So how is this accurate? There's two different factors you have to look at, time and quantity. So let's look at quantity first. Other literature that's considered 100% like people are like, this is accurate literature. Uh, Plato's manuscripts, there were seven of them. Socrates, 193 manuscripts. Aristotle, 49 manuscripts. The New Testament, 24,633 manuscripts. The comparison between the New Testament and the number two document in all of history for manuscripts, authority by number, is the Iliad by Homer, 643 manuscripts. That's what you call servant of the Word, people who dedicated their lives to copying the Bible and making sure it didn't lose its accuracy. The New Testament is 99.5% accurate text. Okay, let's consider time. So, the New Testament and the autographer, so the first copy that they have of the New Testament from the original is only a 50-year gap. The Iliad is a 500-year gap between the original and the first copy. Again, 24,633 to 643, 99.5% accurate compared to 95% accurate of the Iliad. So the number of words or lines in question, 400 words, and they're words like at, it, the, that don't translate well. You could destroy, this is an interesting statistic. I, I was geeking out on this, as you could tell, with all these numbers. Uh, you, you could destroy every Bible, manuscript, and the original. So 24,633 copies, burn them up. Then you could destroy the original, 
and you would have all but 11 verses from historical writings outside of the biblical manuscripts, direct quotations, and other historical writers. That's how God has preserved this book, through servants of the Word. Is that intense to consider? Like, God thinks it's pretty important we have an accurate Bible. And if it's this accurate, we do have to do something with what we're taught in it. We have to respond to it. We can't just let it sit there on a shelf and collect dust, as I did for 21 years before I chose to follow Jesus. Dr. F.F. Bruce was the number one expert on manuscripts in his day, Manchester University. He said, the evidence for the New Testament writings is ever so much greater than any other, the authenticity of which no one would dream of questioning. If the New Testament was a collection of secular writings, their authenticity would be regarded accurate beyond all doubt. It's powerful. That's the book we read and base every message off of here at Open Life, the Bible. So how do we know that what's written is actual and factual? We know that what's written is actual and factual. We can rest assured this is accurate. So now Luke is going to pull this writing together carefully, recording an orderly account of Jesus for you and me to receive. 2 Peter 1.16 says this of the Bible, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. So these are the people that Luke would have been interviewing. So the third thought there on your handout that you may know, this book is written to the most excellent Theophilus, right? One person. Probably funded the work of Luke and the missions trips he went on with Paul. He was probably the source of funding. But it has a beautiful implication that God would put a servant, a historian like Luke, a doctor, a physician, would put him on task to make the word clear to one person. The book, half the New Testament, Luke and Acts, one person it's written to. It's applicable to all of us, but it was written to one person. God cares for you individually. Not just us as a crowd, but individually He cares about every one of us, that He would write half the New Testament for us, for you. That's an intense thought when you just let that sink in. That God's that interested in a relationship with me, right? The person that Luke is writing to obviously was asking lots of questions, and that's why Luke sought out to answer them through an accurate account. And he had a lot to lose his life by choosing Jesus and denying Caesar. Luke didn't just invite this person to come to the temple and hear the news with him, right? He himself was trying to convert and, and, and to grow his understanding of the gospel and was, was walking through life and answering the questions of Theophilus with him. And how beautiful is it for each of us to be able to, to jump in and, and not just invite someone to church, but to walk through their journey of faith and, and ask questions together and process it together. We don't, we don't grow the church by just sharing 
information to a person and, and expecting them to get it, but, but having community with them and dialoguing about our faith and, and our journey. So Luke doesn't just make the invite. He begins walking this story of faith with Theophilus. It's people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus here. Sounds familiar, right? He was ensuring each person is connected and, and served and sharing accurately. Open Life's mission and practice is not just cleverly crafted words that sound good on a banner or a website, but it's literally what we believe the Bible's teaching us to do, and, and we're seeing it right here. This man, the most excellent Theophilus, had to have been a leader of leaders. Consider the impact of he is certain about his faith and who he could lead into a growing relationship with Jesus. And then consider this. This is sick. He made a very worthy investment. Final thought. Worthy investment. Theophilus funded Luke. What does this imply? Some say that the book of Luke is the booklet for generosity. If, as we're going to see, there's so much focus on the poor. There are so many parables and stories that aren't found in the other Gospels that focus on us caring for the poor and those in need. Some would go so far as saying that we should not be prosperous because we are to give everything to the poor. But think about that when they use Luke as their foundation because the book of Luke wouldn't exist if somebody who was prosperous wouldn't have even funded it. It's not either or. It's both and, right? God needs some who have the gift of stewardship that can fund the gospel. And Theophilus, as one even questioning the faith, probably a new convert, he'd probably already made that choice. We don't see that. We don't have that definitively drawn up for us. But he was funding the writing of the gospel, the record of the new church in the book of Acts. What a worthy investment to make sure that we weren't missing these stories from the gospel account. He was the source. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels, if I mentioned that already. Sixty percent of their content is in common. John was kind of in a league of his own, and so what it meant, just to put it into perspective, what we're looking at here, it was like five o'clock, you'd turn on the main stations on TV, right? Four, five, seven, thirteen. It's the difference between how they communicate the news. They're all communicating about the same stories, just they all have their unique angle. So that's what the Gospels do. And so as we unpack this, we're going to discover this one station has somehow got tuned in because they just investigated a little deeper. Remember Luke? Just imagine him as like Indiana Jones. He investigated a little deeper to find 41 additional stories that are not in the other accounts that we're going to be able to unpack and allow God to reach inside of us and show us how we can apply the Word of God in our life today. A historian, a tenacious historian, some would say Luke was the best historian of his time, if not all time. So we have this journey we're going to jump on, and we've started today. There's application. And as Bruce mentioned, your connection card, pull that out, because on the back side of the connection card, 
uh, there's potential responses for you. We just want to celebrate what God is challenging you to do. Maybe that's going to be, I'm going to start reading the book of Luke, and it was cool to even have someone mention on their way in, hey, I read a couple, a couple uh, chapters already in Luke, just kind of did a little homework to start. But what if you begin to read through the Bible yourself? If you don't have a Bible, you probably have a phone. There's an app called, it's really tricky, the Bible, right? Okay, download that, and you can start a reading plan through Luke if you want. You can kind of tailor it to your own, your own needs, but uh, if you don't have a physical Bible, we usually communicate out of what the translation called the NIV, if that helps. If you're going, this sounds a little different than what they said on Sunday. Well, we're using the NIV. The second application, maybe, you know, Right there on your connection card, it says next steps. So maybe it's reading Luke because you, you want to let it sink into your spirit. But maybe, it's an, maybe you know someone who would be the first in their lineage if they walked through the doors of a church or if they began to investigate Jesus with you. Man, invite the first to come with you. I think this series of any series we, we do is a great one to, to bring somebody who just wants to kick the tires of the faith, if you would, and figure out what is this Jesus all about that I've heard about but I've never really investigated myself. Bring them along on the journey or point them to the website where we cover the talk every week. We put it up there if you miss church. But I think it'd be cool to bring someone that's just fresh in the curiosity of Jesus. Maybe today your first step is going to be investing in sharing the gospel. And uh, Bruce will come and lead us both. We'll take those connection cards here in a second after we reflect a little bit about the talk in worship. But he'll come up and, and have you complete your connection cards again, but he'll also come and take the offering. And, and, and I don't know if we ever view the offering as a moment where we're literally investing in the gospel, but that's what Theophilus viewed generosity as. He was a generous person, investing in what mattered most, not just for his time, but think of it. Thousands of years and millions of people have chosen to follow Jesus because of his investment. Think of the ripple effects of our generosity. It's mind-boggling beyond what we can comprehend. I'm going to pray for you take the next step that God's kind of inspiring you to and, and just let it sink in. Contemplate that next step as Dave leads a song here after I'm done praying. So God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come and open your word. This is a big journey we're stepping into here in Luke, but it's beautiful. I can't wait to hear the stories of people really becoming more certain of Jesus than they've ever been in their life. I thank you for uh, Luke's writing, and really we can connect with him, those of us who didn't grow up in church and those of us who made decisions to follow Jesus way deep into our life. Maybe a bunch of us are the first in our lineage to follow Jesus, and I just pray, man, that they would sense the power of that moment, but as well the responsibility to hand down the gospel. Inspire us this week with why not moments where we would just say, I'm going to invite this person. Why not? I'm going to do this so that they can join me on this investigation of Jesus. I pray as we unpack it in the coming years, Lord, that we would, with the depth of authority that Jesus communicated the Sermon on the Mount, that we would walk away with an understanding of Jesus so sure that your love would be so purely made known through us in this city, this region. Thank you for where we live. I thank you that we're able to be a benefit to this city, this community. 
Give us opportunities, Lord, to glorify you this week. Thank you for equipping us today. And as we sit here during this moment of response, as Dave leads the song, Lord, speak to us clearly our next step, that we could obey you. Help us to be investors into the future, into people, into the gospel, being servants of your word. In Jesus' name.